Dr Chris Hope, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge Business School podcast series today. Our topic is avoided deforestation. Now, you've, you've done research on the cost to the planet of continued deforestation. What are the costs? Deforestation accounts for about a quarter of all the carbon dioxide emissions that are going up into the atmosphere at the moment. Carbon dioxide is the main greenhouse gas. And even when you factor in all the other greenhouse gases as well, deforestation is about 17% of the total. So it's a very significant part of the, uh, of the problem. Now, when these gases go up into the atmosphere, they spread out, they stay there for decades, some even for centuries, and they cause problems like uh, rising sea level, um, extra monsoons, uh, problems with drought in Africa. And we can put a figure on the total amount of uh, damage that's likely to be caused from all the emissions that will come from deforestation. And it looks as though it will be in the tens of trillions of dollars when you add up the uh, impact that's going to be caused in all the different countries, all the different impacts that you might have and all the different time periods that will be there for. Can we do anything to mitigate this? As as we speak, um, Gordon Brown is talking about the importance leading up to the Road to Copenhagen talks in, in December where the the UN and and G20 countries uh, will meet, Uh, the importance to address it now. Why are the tropical countries so important? In the developed countries, in most of Europe, for instance, we cut down our forests many centuries ago. The UK used to be largely forested up until the 15th, 16th century, and then we cut our forests down. Are we talking about Henry VIII riding out into the forests with... with (laughs) horses and dogs and hunting. <laughs> we are and we're talking about the uh, expansion of our uh, empire which required warships and required lots of other things to be built and we cut our forests down at that sort of time. Now in uh, many of the poorer countries of the world they still have quite large uh, tracts of virgin forests there, typically the tropical rainforests and therefore as they're beginning to industrialise and as they're uh, beginning to uh, want to increase their agriculture, it's those forests that are under threat at the moment and they're the ones where we're losing an area roughly the size of England every year from rainforests in the tropics. So you've got to say, well, we've got to give some form of compensation, financial instruments, if we're going to say we can cut down our forests, but actually the developing world can't cut down theirs because we need to, to save uh, the planet. There, there does seem to be some kind of inequity between the West, the developed countries, and the developing countries. Yes, that's right. Uh, The real problem is that for many people in developing countries, at the moment uh, it's better for them to have the the forest cut down and the other uses of the land, such as agriculture, because that's the way that they get some income. Um, What we really need to do is find some way where it's better for the forests to stay alive and keep the carbon stored in them. And that will inevitably mean some way of transferring some money to the people who are making the decisions about whether these forests should be cut down or not. At the moment, it's better for them to be cut down and used for agriculture because uh, we're taking no account, essentially, of the carbon dioxide that's being released when that happens. And what we should be doing is saying every tonne of carbon dioxide that gets released by cutting down a forest 
forest, well, that causes damage of about $100 around the world. And so we need to find some way of factoring that into the decisions that people make and making sure that if they preserve the forest, then they can get a payment of about $100 for every tonne of carbon dioxide that stays locked up in them. That will transform the kinds of decisions that people will make because now it will become better and more uh, economic for them to keep the forests alive and continue to get the, uh, the money for storing the carbon than they will uh, receive from, say, cutting them down and, and grazing cattle on the land. You really do seem to be saying that we live in one global world now and it's the case of the butterfly's wings, that you know something happens in one country and we feel it elsewhere, that connectivity the people like the makers of the age of stupid and and you know people campaigning for the environment say that we are now all subject to yes uh, the 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 tropical forests perform enormously valuable tasks for the whole of the earth uh, we're talking now mainly about the storage of carbon that's uh, in the trees there and the fact that if they're cut down that will all go up into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide but there's all sorts of other uh, benefits that we get from having the tropical rainforests all sorts of biodiversity the fact that they regulate uh, climate in other ways with uh, humidity being affected by forests being there um, and and Indeed, it's something that is a benefit for the whole of the globe. It's, it's rather unfair for us to say to people who are, by and large, a lot poorer than we are, oh, you must uh, make sure that you maintain these forests for the benefit of all the rest of us, uh, but we're not going to give you any help to do that. I think the only fair and equitable thing is to say you're doing this service for the whole of the earth, you're maintaining the forests, they're doing a very valuable job for us, and we recognise that by making sure that there's some finance in place to help you do that. Now, there are other approaches to to climate change. How does deforestation compare to those approaches, such as injecting SO2 into the atmosphere? Some people have said population control as well. Yes. Well, one way perhaps of thinking about this is, is you can think about climate change maybe as being a runaway train. Uh, And if you've got a runaway train, then there are various ways that you can try and stop it. One way is to stop putting fuel into the boiler, and that's like cutting back the emissions from fossil fuel burning and uh, transport and so on in in the developed countries. Certainly a good way of doing it. Another way is to try and apply the brakes somehow, and that's really what deforestation is. It says that if you manage to uh, have the tropical forests there, they will soak up some of this carbon dioxide. The more forests you can preserve, the more carbon dioxide so they'll soak up. They put the brakes on the kind of change that we might have. The third way that people have suggested are sort of big things that go under the heading of geoengineering. It might be injecting sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere or seeding the oceans in various ways or putting dust up that's going to try and stop sunlight coming in. And I sort of liken that to trying to hitch on to the runaway train, another engine which is going to pull with equal force in the opposite direction. You know, you might possibly need to try and do that if you can't manage to stop the fuel in the first train or you can't put the brakes on it but you're quite likely to pull the whole train apart if you take that approach so it's not something we would want to do as a first attempt we want to try the safe things like deforestation cutting back emissions of uh, of co2 from power stations and transport before we take any of these kind of really risky options of uh, of injecting so2 into the atmosphere or other large-scale geoengineering and you've got to have financial instruments to, for that to be equitable in a way 
Yes, you've got to you've got to be sure that you're doing it in a way where the benefits are are really big and more than the costs that you're uh, going to face. So the work that we do here is is largely trying to work out what the benefits are from uh, keeping CO2 locked up in forests. And we think that it's of the order of a hundred dollars for every ton of carbon dioxide that you keep locked up. And it looks as though in in uh, deforestation you can manage to uh, with various uh, well designed schemes. Uh, keep that uh, CO2 locked up at a much lower cost than that. You would probably have to pay people of the order of a dollar every year that they kept a ton of carbon dioxide locked up. So this is really very well worthwhile. A dollar every year you would have to pay them for locking up a ton of CO2, whereas if it goes into the atmosphere it'll cause a hundred dollars worth of damage. It's really, you know, quite a good deal. This is this is a lot of benefit here that's there awaiting us and however difficult the, the negotiations are in Copenhagen and elsewhere to make this into a, a practical scheme, the benefit that's available to us is so large that it's really worth trying very hard to make sure we can do it. Well finally then, we said that Gordon Brown was talking about the importance of climate change reaching agreements before the road to Copenhagen talks in December. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Do you think that, that we will get some kind of age of enlightenment between these, what, 190 countries who are meeting to say, yes, you know, this is the time to make an agreement? I think we'll make some progress at Copenhagen. I think that everybody now recognises, particularly with deforestation, that it is such a, a, a big part of the solution to the global warming problem, the climate change problem, though there will have to be something uh, designed there that's better than was in the uh, original Kyoto Protocol, which Copenhagen is designed to replace. Am I optimistic that this will be the end and that we'll have uh, solved the problem? No, by no means. I think this is just one small step that we'll take at Copenhagen. The, The practical details of making this all work is going to occupy us for decades to come. But in terms of all the solutions we hear being put forward for climate change, deforestation, in your view, is the number one to address now. Deforestation is right at the top of the list because it gives a very big benefit and it looks as though it's one of the cheaper ways of tackling the problem. That doesn't mean we can ignore all the others. If we're going to get the kinds of cutbacks of emissions that people are talking about and maybe cutting back by 80% over the next 40 years or so, then it means that we've got to do deforestation, we've got to do changing our transport systems, we've got to do changing the way we generate electricity, all these other things that uh, people talk about. And the only way of making that happen is to take account of the benefits of that, which is about $100 for every tonne of CO2 you keep locked up. Uh, Dr Chris Hope, thank you very much indeed for talking to Judge of Business School podcast series today. I've enjoyed it very much, particularly the clarity. Thank you, Bonnie.